Hi, welcome to Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. This podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Atlanta, where our pastors and members dig deeper into the sermon and its text together. Our goal is to consider new questions and observations while looking at the passage so that we might more practically apply God's word to our life. If you have a question for our pastors, please feel free to engage our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. Or if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our sermon talk back. So uh, yesterday we talked a lot about desire and uh, having certain desires. Uh, and, and we talked also about the nature of an unfilled desire, an unfulfilled desire, a desire that's not um, satisfied, if you will. Uh, and there's a lot of different contexts that I talked about it. Um, but I, I want to kind of start there. Uh, the title of the sermon was, Doesn't God Just Want Me to Be Happy? And I feel like this question, I didn't go here particularly yesterday, but I do, I hear, I hear this question around things like um, homosexual relationships, things like divorce, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, even things like maybe how you spend your money. Um, and so people are saying, look, like, I think this will make me happy. I think like I have these desires, like. Um, I've prayed for God to take him away, but he hasn't. Doesn't God just want me to be happy? Uh, so shouldn't I, shouldn't I just go for that? And so so we'll categorize those maybe within like what would traditionally be called sinful desires. Um, right. But I'm curious, uh, yeah, as you think about like that idea, any context there? Yeah, I, I, I come back to something that uh, you talked about one of your sermons recently, but you talked about God's design. And so how how God actually has a design on certain things. And so, um, you know, God's design is not for husband and wife to get married and then get divorced. Like, that's not God's design. Right. Uh, yeah. Marriage is, is to be forever. Uh, God's design is not for a man to, you know, lust after a man and a woman to lust after a woman. Uh, that seems to be clear from Scripture. And so... There, there are God, there is God's design. So some of those desires, I think, can easily be uh, can be addressed simply by looking at you know what is what is God's design for this particular thing. Yeah. Now it gets a little fuzzier when you get into you know something like you said, like how should I spend my money? Uh, that's a little grayer, and you know I, I don't know that Scripture addresses it very you know as black and white yeah and so there is this concept of like god loves a cheerful giver we're supposed to be uh generous i think is is a you know we should be as believers but um but it does get it does get gray in there on those on those kind of desires i i I want to buy this that costs a lot of money you know or i want to you know spend my money in certain ways so I mean, there are some gray areas, but I think some things are addressed simply by looking at God's design. Yeah, and I think a lot of this comes down to the issue of the heart, right? And mm-hmm. so um, we talked to, I kind of talked about the idea of like, listen to your heart, you know? Right. And I do think with things like 
uh, I mean, we'll just use like same sex attraction people. I've definitely heard people say like, look, I'm, you know, this is a desire I have. I've prayed for God to take it away. He hasn't. This must just be how I am. Hmm. Um, and so you, you, you have a desire and you feel like I, I, in order to be happy, I have to like go after this desire. And I, and I think what I would say is that presupposes that you can trust your desires. And I right. think that the Bible is very clear that the heart is not trustworthy, right? This is deceitful above all things. Right. You, you yeah. mentioned that verse in your sermon yesterday. Right. And so I think that you, I think that's a great starting spot. Now, I would say to that person, and maybe somebody like that is listening to this podcast, I, I can empathize with the having a desire that, you know, is not in line with the Lord, understanding that you have a perverted heart. And, and I would just, you know, say to that person, like, you know, I have seen the Lord in my life move through, and we talked about this in the sermon, my un, you know, fulfilled desires. I've seen the Lord change those desires. Uh, and I've seen some of those desires that, you know, I've just had to keep fighting with, you know, through the years. Um, and that, you know, doesn't make them right or good. And I think to your point about design, I can understand that I have desires that are in line with God's design, and I have desires that are perversions of God's design. Hmm. And I think that that is the nature of having a sinful heart. Um, and then, you know, to, to your point about kind of the, the gray areas, hmm. I do think that, back to the point about the heart, like I want to, I want to ask myself always, is my heart aligned with the heart of God here? Right. Yeah. So let's take how I spend my money or let's take, um, you want to get personal? You want to get let's, a little personal? Let's get personal. Man. Okay. I love it. Well, I was thinking about this yesterday. I had somebody come up to me and ask like some dating advice mm. and actually Lou, um, was uh, talking to some people after the service about, and this is an interesting question. Like, how do you know, um, if, um, how do you know if you like are leading a girl on in a dating relationship? And that's hard. Like the Christian dating thing is kind of tricky. Gotcha. Because, I, I'm waiting for where this is going to get personal. <laughs> I've been married to Joe Beth for 17 years, but keep going. Well, I'm I'm talking about myself. Okay, okay. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not about to call you. Yeah, yeah. okay, don't, okay. Don't worry. I was, I was waiting, man. <laughs> well, but 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 I but I knew you when you were, you know, dating the ladies. <laughs> and uh and so uh and you certainly knew me. And so and so okay. So to me, there was like some boundaries in dating. Right. Um, you're not going to have sex. If you, you know, try to honor them, those kinds of things. But I don't know if even in my dating, I mean, I was actually convicted yesterday, like kind of thinking about Lou, like there were certainly times in my dating relationship where, you know, I wasn't like trying to have sex with these girls. I was trying to be a good Christian to them. But I, I don't know that I was protective of their heart. Okay. Okay. Now we're like getting into like a super gray area. Right. You know, I yep. mean, that's not very like subjective, super prescribed in the Bible. Yeah. But as I like reflect on my own heart in those times, I was clearly being selfish. Like I can I can think back and think, OK, I was being selfish. I wanted them to like me more than maybe even I liked them just because like that was the game. Right. You know, I like got right. caught up in the game. Right. Anyway, I mean, this is just I'm getting a little you know, but, but that is where, you know, I had a desire that was not of the Lord. And, you know, and that is where the word of God, 
Christian community. I mean, there was, there's even been times in for you to me where you've corrected some of my behavior. And I'm like very grateful for that. Like, mm. I think Christian community, the word of God, like it, it helps us understand our deceitful heart. Those gray areas can be addressed by actually like looking at your heart. Right, exactly. And yeah. and hel- and having a good community and being in the word of God that yes. can help you do that. So, right. all right. So that's a little bit about what we'll call sinful desires or yep. desires not in line with God's uh, design. But what about like sinless desires, God-honoring desires? Hmm. Um, and so we, we actually had some people write in. Um, you know, there's a friend of theirs, and I'll just kind of say that this example, because this is this certainly hits to a lot of people. This person is struggling with infertility, and which is a very like common thing. I mean, there's a, a, many couples in our desire church. Desire to have a child, which, which is, is a, a very, good desire. A very good and godly desire. An amazing right. desire. And, uh, and, and I know this has hit many people, um, in our church. I mean, you know, I can speak to this cause I know he wouldn't mind or she wouldn't mind, but Thomas and Heather Nelson are like great example. Mm-hmm. Here's a couple in our church. They've struggled with infertility. Um, they were not able to have children and they had to kind of get through that. And, right. and I, I'm just going to say, ask Thomas about that story. If you're interested in, in learning more about that, but um, yeah, I think that that is an interesting, what, what, what do we do when our desires are good desires? Having a child is a good desire, mm. but the Lord is not granting it. Mm. And, um, you know, kind of to the whole, like, delight yourself with the Lord, he'll give you desires of your heart. You know, I think a way that verse has been taught, you know, I talked about a very wrong teaching of it yesterday, uh, where it's like, you know, the means of getting what you want is to delight yourself in the Lord. It's mm. kind of a name it and claim it thing a little bit, but um, but it's also kind of taught if you if you do delight yourself in the Lord, your de- desires will line up with His, and and you'll have those things. So, what would you say to that person? I mean, uh, you know, first of all, just to interpret why is not the Lord answering their prayer? Hmm. But then, you know, secondly, we could talk about how do we stay, how do you stay faithful when you're in a really painful situation like that? Yeah, I, I think there's I think there's uh, different things in the Scripture that kind of speak to that. I, I'm I'm thinking specifically as you're talking of the, uh, you know, the story of the blind man. And, um, I, I would think that any blind person, uh, including this one has the desire for, for them to be healed and, and to see, and, you know, they asked, like they asked Jesus, was this because of his sin or his, or his parents sin? And he said, no, this is his blindness is actually, uh, for the glory of God and, and God and, as Jesus, you know, gave him his sight, God was glorified through that, and many people witnessed a miracle, and it was just this amazing thing. Um, and so, I, I, I think that speaks to how you know the perspective that we have on certain suffering, sufferings. Um, you know, it might be there because God wants to be glorified through that. Now, if if we turn embittered and um, you know are are uh, turn away from the Lord through that suffering, I I would suggest that probably the the end of God being glorified is not going to be there. And right. so and so I I think that's just something to think through as as people are are facing suffering. And again, it's it's always easy to kind of point these things out and talk about people's suffering as if you know there's an easy solution, but I totally get it. When somebody is going through infertility or some kind of other suffering, like these are, these are deeply 
you know, difficult situations that people are going through. Yeah, but even I, the oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say even the passage that you uh, preached from yesterday in Romans five. I mean, it 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 does address this. Uh, I, I think perfectly. You know, in uh, Romans five three, it says, "More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings." So, I mean, right there. Somehow Paul is getting to the point, and he's not a guy that didn't that suffered lightly. Like yeah, he, he was suffering so much. He was suffering so much, and he said, "We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame." And so, I, I'm. I don't say that to say like if if you just if you just write this you know on a on a note card and like put it on your mirror and, and read it every day, like that's going to change your life. However. It, it does seem like Paul in his sufferings kind of had this way of viewing it in a, right. in a godly way that was like, this can actually be for my good and it can produce things in me that otherwise, aside from the suffering, may not actually end up being produced in me. And so it's kind of a, you, the, you, you have to consider your perspective on the suffering itself. Yeah. Is all suffering just bad? Or can suffering actually be used, number one, to glorify God, number two, to actually produce things inside of me that otherwise would not be produced? Right. I, I think that's so, so helpful. I think that the, well, first of all, I want to address that person or any person that is really suffering. I mean, yeah. And it, and I'll say, I mean, you and I were talking before we got on the air. I mean, like I said yesterday, I mean, there's a little sorrow in all of our hearts. Um, not all of our expectations are fulfilled. Not all of our happiness is full. I mean, there's the sorrow of living in a fallen world. Um, but neither you or I are in the midst of a great suffering right now. Now That could change today. Right. But neither you or I are in the midst of something like that. And so I, I just want to say to anybody listening that is in the midst of that, like, I, I feel for you. I am sympathetic to your situation. So it's easy for me to talk about this in a season that is not full of suffering uh, but I don't think it would be any less true if I was in a season uh, of suffering. Um, I think what I'm saying is true whether you're in suffering or not in suffering. And so, um, and I think to your point, it, it it suffering is really related to the end of the suffering, hmm. right? Many people are willing to endure like two-a-day football practices, which are going on right now, because you might win the championship, right? Hmm. It's for the hope um, of winning the championship that you're really going the extra mile. And it's interesting, I'll just keep using that football analogy. I mean, if you ever played team sports, if you've ever been on a losing team, you know, I'm sure Will Carlisle, you know, over here has never been on a losing never team. Never been on a losing team. But if you ever have been on a losing team, those those uh, those final few weeks of the year are really kind of hard to stay focused, hmm. right? Because the hope of what you're playing for isn't as great, right? I mean, hmm. you're playing for like, the pride of the game or, you yeah, know, yeah. your family name. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not, <laughs> Hey, the Outback Bowl, let's, let's not laugh at that. Well, uh, that's a, that's a, that's an honorable bowl game for teams to play it. <laughs> but yeah, those last few games. Yeah. I mean, if you're in college football, you're not going to a bowl game. It's, it's very hard to get motivated. And, and because the hope is smaller, the hope has shrunk. There's not as much that you're hoping in. Right. And so I think that your ability to endure suffering is related to how great of a hope that you have, right? Mm. And so, you know, 
we'll talk about like parenting or whatever people, I mean, pregnancy is horrible, but on the other side of that, or for some ladies it is, I think Joe Beth like just ripped through her pregnancies, (laughs) but like for Paige, it was very hard. She's a beast. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but on the other, but the other side is there's a child. And so you're willing to endure that suffering because you know that on the other side is a child. And I think that that gets really hard. So, so what Paul is actually saying here is he's not saying that this suffering will have an end that will be good. He's not saying like, I'm going to endure this so that I'll be really fruitful. Right. The the fruit of his suffering is actually his Christ-likeness. I mean, yes. if you said that. Yeah. The Christ-likeness that won't disappoint. Yeah. Because the fullness of that is that he'll be with Christ in his kingdom forever. It's the hope that does not disappoint. That's the Super Bowl yeah. for Paul. And that's very interesting. His Super Bowl is not being productive in ministry. His Super Bowl is not like living a comfortable life. His Super Bowl, hmm. uh, it's not even like, again, like the productivity in ministry is not even like if I, you know, I'm doing this suffering so that we can get the church planted. Yeah. You know, that's a very interesting verse. He's not saying like, yeah, we're going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to go down in history as like the greatest apostle. And it's because I had all this suffering and we're going to plant all these churches. Hmm. He's not saying that. He's actually saying that the end of my suffering is the hope of God. It's it's of being with God. It's the character that God is producing in me yeah. through the suffering. That is That's a right. very interesting thing. So I would say to anyone suffering right now, like the, I, I could certainly empathize with wanting a child or being cured of cancer or uh, having a parent that is sick uh, get better or you know having a child that is sick to get better. And, and again, I want to be as empathetic as I could possibly be. But the, the attitude that the Bible is actually describing here, or maybe prescribing, is that in the midst of that suffering and longing and pain, God might actually be producing in you something that is so beautiful and so glorious and so good. Yeah. We may not ever understand the full purposes of that. Now, some people like Thomas and Heather, for example, they think that the purpose is God's made them like these amazing disciple makers of young people and mm. look how the Lord's blessed that. And I'll just be honest, as a parent, um, you know, it's hard to stay out late with young people every night <laughs> if you have a bunch of kids. Right. But they don't have that. And so they've they've taken that disadvantage and they've made it an advantage. Mm. Um, and that's pretty awesome. So there may be some sort of useful thing that's going on mm. um, in this suffering that you have. But there may also just be like God is producing a godliness and character in you that will not disappoint you in the end. Yeah. Um, I think the question then becomes is like, how do you stay hopeful? How mm. do you how do you stay strong in the midst mm. of suffering like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, are you asking that question rhetorically, or? Well, I'm asking it to you, and then maybe <laughs> yeah, I'll answer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I didn't know if that was kind of like the. Uh, I'm going to leave you with a deep thought now. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, I, let's talk about that. I think no, no. I no, think I'm that's asking a, it genuinely. I, I think that's <laughs> I think that's a great a great question to ask. How do you stay hopeful? I I would say uh, one practical way to stay hopeful is to look to other people who in the midst of suffering have remained steadfast in their, in their hope of the Lord. And so, you know, I mean, Paul's one of them, like you can read scripture sometimes, like sometimes like Paul and his suffering and it almost feels like no way, dude, like this guy's like, so beyond anything. I mean, I, sometimes you, you feel that, but then, um, you you can also look to other other Christians who've like suffered great things and lived faithfully. I remember reading the Heavenly Man, oh, uh, man. A bro- brother Yun yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. China. I mean, like amazing story 
Like read that story and and you will be encouraged. Uh, and then recently I, I listened just on audiobook to The Hiding Place, Corey Tinboom, in the midst of, you know, hiding Jews during the, the German invasion of the Netherlands. And then uh, she and her sister get found out and get thrown in concentration camps. And she and her sister are separated. And sometimes they're like down the hall from each other and can kind of like communicate a little bit. And then her sister ends up passing away. But like she never, she and her sister both, I mean, neither of them ever uh, question the fate. Like they, they just remain so hopeful. And I mean, it, it is like, it is such a moving story, even for someone who I wouldn't say is going through like a, a time of suffering right now per se, but uh, such a moving story. I mean, moved me to tears like multiple times, just listening to the faithfulness of this woman uh, in, in such a difficult and, and trying time. So I guess that's, one practical way to do it is to, uh, you know, to read stories of others. The communion who, of who, saints, if you will. Yeah, it's the communion of saints. And, and, I, and in a sense, it's it's the old, like, since we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, like, right. like let's remember who we're surrounded by. Let's, let's, let's run this race with endurance. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a great kind of verse, uh, Hebrews 12. That's a kind of a great verse to go to. Um, let us run this race with endurance um, because... There's, there's people that have been there before. So I totally agree. I mean, some of that is like you say, like that's like saints that you don't know. Some of it's saints that you do know. Right. I mean, one of the things that makes suffering so much harder is like for, I mean, I think infertility is especially hard in this because I've had friends that have really struggled with infertility. Um, you know, I had a very good friend in Birmingham and it was very, very hard on her. And what was particularly hard on her is like every one of her friends, like, like every week at like small group would be like, guess what? You know, me and Tony are pregnant, you know, guess what? <laughs> me and Bill are having a baby. Right. And it's like every week. And she just, you know, it just was incredibly discouraging to mm. her. Um, and the Lord in his kindness ultimately gave her children. And, and so, but I do think to your point, like being around people that have struggled through the same thing and, mm. and listening to what God has taught them and, um, and seeing how the Lord was faithful to them in that moment. It's yeah. huge. I think it is huge. I, there's one other thing, like as we're talking, that I think is just a word of caution. Um, I, you know, we were we were overseas for a number of years and lived in lived in places that I would say are more difficult than living in Atlanta, Georgia, living in, you know, Cobb County. Uh, Joe Beth and I still sometimes were like, man, I love central AC. Like it is so amazing. You know, just have AC all throughout your house. Y'all are just what? living the middle-aged dream right now. We're kind of living the middle-aged dream. in Cobb I, County. I know. It's, 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 <laughs> like, I, there's a part of me that, like, feels a little bit of, of guilt. You know, I always t- I tell Will, like, I go around and water my yard, and he, he jokes with me about, like, kicking the tires. <laughs> I'm, like, the ultimate, like, suburbia dad now. But, um, but we lived in these a little more, you know, difficult places to live. And what I, what I found with a lot of missionaries is that, in the midst of living in more difficult places, they, you start to get this, you know, in the midst of like kind of suffering or sacrificing, yeah, yeah, you start yeah. to get this like weird, like, I, I hope people notice me. It's almost a sense of entitlement. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think a little bit of it is. And so I, I came across in a John Piper book, his book, Future Grace, 
this this idea he talks about strong pride and weak pride yeah yeah and so and i've talked about this before on odr but it's like it's it was so impactful in my life when i read it that it, it will always stay with me and I, and I think it's fitting here, but strong pride, he says, basically says, look how much I've accomplished. And weak pride says, look how much I've sacrificed mm-hmm. or look how much I've suffered. But, but the, the end of both of those prides is looking at, looking at yourself, like spotlight is on me. And, and we found that with a lot of missionary and I would say myself included for a time. And it was like, look how much we've sacrificed to be out here. Like, Lord, you know, and, and it was a little bit of this, like, I'm not happy, but I feel like I've sacrificed so much. So I feel like, you know, I, I deserve something, you know, your entitlement thing. Like I'm kind of entitled to more than this. Yeah. Um, and, and that was a bad attitude and, and it actually led to pride. So I, yeah, I do if, think if the strong enemy, tie, if strong pride, like longs for people's like admiration, weak pride in a sense, like longs for their pity. Correct. You know? yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And so I, I do think in the midst of suffering, we do that. It's just a word. It's not to like come down on those who are suffering. Like, hey, you are super prideful in your suffering. But even in your suffering, I think the enemy can use those moments of weakness and vulnerability to lead us to look at ourselves. And, and I, I think what I see here in scripture, like particularly where Paul is talking about suffering here, that he's saying like, don't look to yourself as as easy as it is in your suffering. Like, look to the Lord, and He will produce in you uh, character. He will produce in you patience. He will produce in you endurance, and ultimately produce in you hope. Uh, but the hope won't be the hope won't put you down. The hope won't it, disappoint. That's that, that's right. That to me is the key part of the verse. Like everybody yeah. can hope in winning the Super Bowl, right? But this hope will. It's not. You're not going to lose. Like it's it's a guaranteed win of the Super Bowl, right? And then he kind of gives the guarantee: the Holy Spirit has been poured out in your hearts. Like the love right. of God has been poured on your hearts through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and he, he used that same kind of language in Ephesians one, where he's like saying like the Holy Spirit in a sense is like the down payment of the inheritance that we have, like that is secure in the Lord. Yeah. One other quick thought, and I know we've probably gone over, um, but I, I do just want to say this: there is a kind of Christianity that says if i'm christian enough if i'm spiritual enough if i'm delighting myself in the lord enough then you know i'll get i'll get what i'm supposed to get Hmm. you know and i do think that there's obviously biblical principles of like obedience and wisdom that leads to good things right so that's certainly in the bible however i i think when we kind of again kind of develop this entitlement Hmm. of look how much i've prayed look how much i've given Look how much I've suffered. Why can't I just have this? I do think we kind of forget who's the clay and who's the potter. Hmm. And I think we start going to God and saying, look, I've earned a noble design. Hmm. Uh, And I do think that like the ultimate Christian heart is be so enraptured by God, so trusting of God, so loving toward God that we trust God even when he gives us a, to use Paul's words here, a less noble purpose, you know, Hmm. obedience to the Lord, doing what God's designed you to do, what he's called you to do is the most noble purpose. That's the most noble thing. And so Hmm. being okay with the less noble purposes. Right. Uh, And I think that that is like true, whether it's, you know, dealing with something like infertility or dealing with just envy, you know, in ministry, you know, Hmm. I mean, Will over here may say, look, you know, 
I'm faithful to the Lord and I'm trying to write these good songs, but I certainly had as sold as many songs as Chris Tomlin, but like I pray more than he prays and I read my Bible more than, you know, you can start doing that and yeah. saying like, why hasn't God, well, right. God's doing what he's doing with you, you know? Right. And, and I think our job is just to be faithful today in what the Lord has called us to and, and with what he's given us to do. So yeah. with that said though, I do, I do just want to remind everybody of the passage we looked at yesterday. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Um, and so stay faithful friends in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, um, draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. So for Barrett Fisher, I'm Jason Dees. Once again, thank you for listening to the Sermon Talkback podcast. If you have any other questions after listening, or if there's anything else you'd like to discuss with one of our pastors, please don't hesitate to engage our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And once again, if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you and have a blessed week.